listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in a healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. If you'd like to call in, you cannot because I'm pre-recording. So... Just so you know, no calling in tonight. If you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me because you cannot call in, please email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. Let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night now from at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and we've just added iHeartRadio. If you subscribe to those services, if you subscribe to those services, if you do not, we have a direct link on our homepage. So that would be go to our website at cwrtalknetwork.com and click on the logo for that service. If at any time that you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And we're going to have a public service announcement. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. Again, this is Shereen Rice, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my guest tonight, Rebecca Jackson. She's a filmmaker, and she lives in Utah. And I'm going to tell you some highlights of her biography, some things that I found really fun. Okay, the first one was she was born at home. Not many can say that, actually. She's one of seven children. Um, she has 30 to 31 nieces and nephews. She has no children as of yet. She is focused on her writing and directing in her filmmaking as well as other aspects of filmmaking. She dabbles in abstract art. And she loves to create, she loves the creative process. She enjoys camping, hunting guns, uh, travel, exploring new places and new cultures. Um, she has been to Mexico, Belize, Honduras, and Turkey, as well as much of the U.S. She has an associate's degree with an emphasis in private investigation, criminal justice, psychology, and business marketing. She used to write novels but lost everything in a house fire and uh, just has never got back into it. And now she's focused more on her uh, things for the screen. Her, um, she has some uh, experience in domestic abuse. Uh, her ex-husband uh, abused not only drugs and alcohol, but her mentally, emotionally, and sexually, uh, physically and sexually. Um, she enjoys uh, doing movie shorts. That's her passion right now. And that's actually where I met her was at the Gorilla Film Festival. I don't know if she does more than the gorillas. We'll talk to her about that. Um, but um, she had a great, great music video that I just absolutely loved. 
so um, we're going to talk about talk to her about her latest project and uh, the pros and cons on that, and what other projects she has coming up. So let us welcome Rebecca. Rebecca, do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. How are you? <laughs> I always ask that question. Hello, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to be careful. I may try to take over your show. I I tend to be the curious one, so I ask a lot of questions. Oh, I've turned the tables before, so, it, you know, you're just going to have awesome. to put me in check. <laughs> hey, no problem. I want you to take it over, for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's talk um, first about your your video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your DVD that you just—I'm I'm not going to call it a DVD. I'm sorry. Your music video that you just made. Talk about the pros and cons of making that. Tell us what it was about because it won't be—we won't be showing it. Of course, this is a radio on this show. So if you can right. kind of describe it a little bit, that would be helpful. Well, first of all, for your listeners, if they do want to go see the music video, um, it will be um, found on uh, lazysusanmusic.com. Um, that is L-A-Z-Y-S-U-Z-A-N-M-U-S-I-C.com. And um, basically, it was written by my good friend, my best friend, uh, Kevin Jones, who... Uh, we've basically branded him under the, the, uh, term lazy Susan, um, just because there's so many Kevin Joneses out there. Um, and he wrote the song, I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you said something. Because there are a lot of Joneses out there. Kevin Joneses. Yeah. I know. Right. Okay, I'm like, could you have, <laughs> yeah, I was like, could you have a less exciting name? Like, really? <laughs> You know, if he's the Joneses, who is he trying to keep up with, right? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so um, he wrote the song. I actually don't know exactly when he wrote the song. It was probably three years ago about. Um, by the time him and I became friends, he already had it on, on his uh, debut album, uh, which is Tour Dove Horse. Uh, you can find uh, that on the uh, website as well. But uh, the song is called Blood on the Blanket, and it tells the tale of a woman who is abused, and, you know, as the song says, you know, she put up with it until he turned it on on their children, and um, one night she had enough, and, well, you can see in the music video and in the song what happens, Um, but it's, it's a bit dark, and... As I've been told by many people um, who've watched the video and listened to the song, that it's it's a real story. You know, it's it's really true to nature. You know what happens, the emotions involved, the you know the violence that is involved, and um, you know for some the video has hit pretty close to home. Um, I've heard from people who I didn't even know had been abused um, in marriages or relationships uh, where they're like, wow, that just really spoke to me. It really, that's me. And I'm like, really? I had no idea. Like, you know, you never know who around you has suffered. Um, You're right. Or suffering. Right. Or is suffering. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I hope that this video brings attention to the song and it brings attention to the message and starts a conversation that needs to be started. And, and, you know, women have been dealing with this for a very long time. Um, And obviously um, women have not been given a voice. Um, I do want to bring up just, you know, on a side note that is, um, you know, of interest to me, is that it doesn't only happen to women. It happens to men, too. And I want to encourage all men who are suffering to try and get out of the situation, to seek resources, to talk about it, to, you know, 
just be bold to, you know, go against the norms where men are supposed to keep quiet. You know, right. um, it's it's surprising how many men can suffer. And there's so much stigma, you know, way, you know, a lot more than, you know, when women are abused, it's, you know, there's so many stereotypes, men are the aggressors, women are the victims. And that is a big problem, of course. Um, But people don't generally think of men as victims. And so it's harder for a man to say something because he may feel like he'll be belittled or not believed. Um, so that's, you know, just a little side note I wanted to bring up. But obviously the issue today that we're talking about is what happens to women. And, you know, um, how many, I mean, how many victims would you say there are that, I mean, ballpark in this country, how many women do you know of, if you have any ballpark numbers, um, are victims one of domestic four. violence? I'm sorry. They say one in four for women. One in four. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. So yeah. this uh, this is definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. Yeah. It's and absolutely. And mm-hmm. right. Raising and awareness then, yeah. is so important, and that's what you did. Well, I can't take all the credit. I mean, you know, Kevin wrote the song. Um, A lot of the ideas for the video, you know, uh, were, you know, rolling around in his head. Basically, you know, and that's one reason why we work so well together is that, you know, I help him capture the stuff that's in his his head. (laughs) And you know know, what? Like you said, you make a perfect group, and that's, that's perfect. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something that we're so proud of. It's the first thing that I've ever created or helped create that I actually got emotional when I watched. You know, I'm like, I can't believe I created this video, you know. So I hope people go on the website and and watch it. And um, they could even go to um, Kevin Jones's Facebook uh, page and um, you know go on there like the video share it comment um, but you could also you could also um, email us or you know contact us there's contact information on the website um, we we want to hear from people for sure and we want people to be talking about this issue yeah <clears throat> yeah for sure Rebecca? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I was waiting for your next question um, or comment. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My next I, I question is I went on this vlog thing. You, I wanted to give you a chance to speak. <laughs> I, I, I love it when you talk, though. Um, did you submit that to anything else other than the gorillas so far? Um, no, I haven't. Um, uh, not yet, anyway. I have thought about it. Um, are there any um, outlets that you would suggest? Well, there's a lot of film fests. Um, there's, mm-hmm. I know there's a, a really good one up in Ashland, Oregon, um, but they're all over, and um, I can help you hunt some down because I think, I think it really needs to get out there. To be honest with you, I agree. Um, I have to look into whether like their rules would allow for it to be other places like online Um, because Kevin really Mm -hmm. wants it on the website. You know, he really wants it on his Facebook page. And so it's something Mm -hmm. as a team, we have to discuss what is in, you know, the best interest. So, um, you know, I agree with you though, you know, I think that it would be great. I'm also working on a documentary um, for um, sexual harassment and misconduct. Wow. That's actually, as I'm asking questions, of men and women, and I actually asked the same set of questions for both men and women, and it's turning mm-hmm. into some interesting dialogue, and it's also, like, branching off onto other subjects 
Um, so one documentary yeah. is actually turning into a whole bunch of different documentaries. And, you know, that's kind of slow going because just like domestic violence, it's hard to find people who are willing to talk about it. You know, right. women it, or even men. Me they just... Go mm-hmm. ahead. You finish your, no, you, you go finish ahead. Your even men thing. Okay. Um, I was just going to ask you, I do know someone who's going to court um, on Tuesday against her abuser, and that was 30 years ago. And I bet she would love to talk about it. Um, she has a hard time talking about it. But she's coming to the point because she now has to go back to court against her abuser of 30 years ago. And um, she, But she's coming to the point of she needs to talk about it and she needs to get it out there. And she, you know what I mean? And so I don't know if you're mm-hmm. interested in, in, you know, can I ask you what form of a, can I ask you what form of abuse it was? It was sexual, sexual by a parent. Okay. By her parents. By a, step, um, a stepfather. Yeah. That's one place that um, my questions are leading to um, is, mm-hmm. is sexual abuse as a child. And um, my first documentary, the one about sexual harassment, is going to be called Muddy because I feel feel it's like a muddy topic. It's there's so much noise and static, and he said, she said, and all of this stuff. It's kind of a muddy, um, you know, situation. The the one that's on um, pedophilia and things like that will be called groomers because that's usually how it starts is, you know, grooming children. And, right. um, yes, I'm even going to have one on the Navy. One of my close friends, actually the woman who played in the blood on the blanket video, she was in the Navy mm-hmm. and she's actually in my documentary and the horrible stuff she endured. Um, wow. I'm actually planning on doing follow-up interviews with her, just because there's so much, you know, and so then I'm going to do another one um, about just about the Navy. Um, and I've actually talked to men who were in the Navy that, um, and I, they're not yet part of the documentary, but men who were in the Navy who were victimized, not just harassment, but yeah. like, sexually assaulted so there's a lot of different areas of abuse that need to have a light shined on it yes yes absolutely and um that being said men who have been sexually abused is usually by um another male perpetrator yes and no i've actually encountered men who were Abused, sexually abused by women. Really? Yes. That's, that would be As great. That I may be hard to believe. Of that very much. I've heard well, of it. And I don't know if it's few, hard to believe. It is. It, it can be hard to believe because, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, like, how did they not control themselves? Or how did how did the woman get, you know, control of him or whatever? But you'd yeah. be amazed. You know, um, yeah, and I'm, you know, they're just be, like uh, they're aggressive men. They can be aggressive women. Yeah. I'm sorry. That would be a, that would be a great topic just by itself. That just that one right there. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, in any society, there is there are people who want control over other people, and that's one thing right. that is a misnomer about rape. Some people think that rape or sexual abuse or whatever you want to call it is about sex, and it's really not. It's about right. power. It's about intimidation. Right. Um, right. And and you know, and that's one thing that you know I think that I've always had an interest in psychology. You know, and I think that yeah, um, knowing or having a, a grasp of, you know, even the basic psychology kind of helps me see, you know, things in a, in a different light that, than, you know, some people who may not even be thinking about, 
you know, such things. But I've always had an interest in human behavior, human, um, like basically what goes on inside people's heads. And so it's just something that I've always thought about and been fascinated by. And, um, yeah, so psychology um, is an interest. And I think that psychology also helps in filmmaking too. How do you get under people's skin, you know? How do you get your message across? How do you tell people, you know, something in a certain way that really gets them thinking? So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. So have you ever um, submitted any of your films? I know you've done like six, seven, eight of them to other um, film festivals besides uh, the gorillas. My brother-in-law started a film festival um, a few months back, and I did a um, a grindhouse style. Um, it was actually that was the theme given. It was grindhouse, and I did um, a grindhouse film with with actually Kevin and Jessica. Oh, and uh, George Scott, who played the um, abusive husband in Blood of the Blanket, uh, was also in that as well. And, um, you know, it didn't win, but, you know, it was, it was kind of fun, and it, I was something I was proud of. Um, yeah. That's the only other film competition, as far as film goes, that I've entered. Um, I wrote a screenplay based on my father's youth, um, some bizarro stuff that happened. And maybe it's just only interesting to me and the people who know my dad. But I wrote a screenplay, and I submitted it to several uh, screenplay competitions. And um, Kevin has a 10-episode series that he's written um, that, um, you know, I just kind of helped him with different formatting stuff and just, you know, different things here and there. And we've submitted that to several, you know, uh, competitions as well. And that's really all I've done. So, I mean, some of these places, they have a lot of, there's a lot of submission fees. Um, So I need to search out, of course, the free ones because, you know, I'm a poor student slash filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, those fees can really add up. So, yeah, they can. And they're pretty expensive sometimes. Uh, Yeah, you know, 30 bucks. 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and up. And then they want to also charge you for like reading your script and giving you, you know, like pointers or whatnot, which you know is going to be a boilerplate type thing. Yeah. They're going to say the same thing about everything, probably. Probably. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works. Um, on the script writing, um, where did you submit that? What kind of competition? Excuse me. Um, there's one called Script Pipeline. Um, I submitted to that one. I submitted to Slam Dance, which is a uh, film competition slash, you know, screenplay competition in northern Utah. It's sort of like Sundance, but for kind of off-the-cuff, off-the-beaten-path type stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with the film. Um, oh gosh, it's it was about ghosts. It was like um, really low budget, not phenomenon, but it had a weird name. Now I can't remember it. And uh, maybe it'll come, it'll come back to me like at three o'clock in the morning. In the name of this movie, but um, <laughs> it got yeah. It was like this really low budget, filmed in like three days, you know, for no money. Um, and it got a distribution deal from Slamdance. And um, it made millions upon millions of dollars. So, um, you know, that's a, a pretty good vehicle. Um, you know, it's weird about film festivals. My brother-in-law who, you know, started the one that I submitted the Grindhouse one to, he makes kind of oddball screwy slash horribly offensive short films. And um, he actually got um, two of them in the Trauma Film Festival in New York. Well, they told him that they were going to hmm. play them anyway. 
he goes he raises money, goes to New York, takes friends with him, spends three days there during the whole you know competition, and then they don't play his his films. I don't know if it's a scheduling conflict or what, but talk about like a you know like a anticlimactic. <laughs> type thing, yeah, but you know you got to yeah. see New York. So why would they so, do yeah. that unless it's just to pull them out there and get people to go to the film festival? That's a good question. You know what? You might be onto something. It may be. <laughs> I you know what poetry? I think it was called Poetry dot com or so, I can't remember what it was, but a long time ago, there was a site. Uh, where you wrote poetry, and then they would send you a letter saying, oh, your poem is so great, we want to put it in this book, and then we want you to buy the book. Well, yeah. it could be the most horrible poem, and they're still going to send you a letter, right? I knew this. Right. I went ahead and did it anyway, but it was only like 20 bucks or something to buy the book. So, you know, I do ha- – I like to say I'm a published poet, <laughs> There you go. And then I tell the story about how it's not really, you know, legit. But, you know, it, it's sort of like that maybe. It's not where, really legit. <laughs> yeah, even though his films are good quality, you know, and, and could have won, you're right. Maybe they just lured him out there, um, you know, to get just get more people on their own dime out there. Yeah. And there are those, I'm sure. I'm sure. There could be. So what other uh, domestic violence um, projects are you involved in right now? I know the documentary. Um, Honestly, I'm not. I mean, I that's not something that I've really focused on, but since talking to you and, of course, creating the video, it is something that I have – thought about greatly and um you know maybe that is something that I do need to get more involved in um about a year and a half ago I did come up with an idea um for a nonprofit that educates women or any person really educates people about their rights as a sexual abuse victim even mm-hmm. before they become a victim. I want everyone to be aware of their rights, what they can do, what they need to do, if and when they become a victim, or I should say survivor, really, um, before yeah. it even happens. Like, there are so many women out there who don't know that if you are sexually assaulted, you can go to a hospital. There is a forensic nurse stationed at pretty much every um, major hospital, and maybe even smaller ones, the forensic nurse can do a rape kit, and then you can decide later if you want to pursue charges. There are a lot of women who don't know if they want to come forward, but the the key is is getting that evidence, the DNA, the physical trauma, all of that stuff. It and it is a very evasive, you know, privacy evading, um, you know, like round of tests they do because there's so much that has to be done and it takes a long time and it can be daunting. But it is very important to get that evidence. And a lot of women go home, they shower or whatever, you know, and I don't blame them. They want, you know, to get the ickiness, you know, the icky feeling or, you know, uh, whatever's left behind off of them um, as soon as they can. But they shower, they destroy evidence, you know, they're not thinking because, you know, they've just been victimized. Um, So I want it to be in people's minds before they're victimized. And that was one thing I wanted to do with the, um, like, if the documentary, when the documentary gets finished and I get it into film festivals, which is the plan, if it gets distribution right. and makes money, I wanted a large portion of those proceeds to go towards creating this nonprofit. 
And right. I haven't really come up with a, a, a solid name, but it'd be something like save, uh, like, you know, sexual uh, abuse victim education, something like that. And it's funny because you said that you have a nonprofit and it was something very similar. And I, I thought that was interesting <laughs> that, you know, it was along the same lines. What? I know. It is. Mine's name Save too. It's but S A V V E, Save and Abuse right. and Violence Victims Through Education. Yeah, and it's so funny that you know we're we're thinking along the same lines. <laughs> I like to I abbreviate everything, and it's funny because my my you know best friend Kevin, we he he likes to abbreviate everything too. So like we almost have like a secret language going, like because we just abbreviate sure. everything. So, you know, I'm always trying to come up with, you know, things like that means something two different ways, whether, you know, it's like a word and then every letter, you know, uh, like this whole save thing. Um, But anyway, I actually wanted to create a, uh, this is an idea that I came up with a very long time ago pre-Katrina actually, but I do want it to be possibly in New Orleans. Uh, It would be, my goal would be to abolish homelessness and that would be through education and it would be um, the foundation for education, equality, and dignity. Um, So it'd be FEED, Foundation of Education, Equality, and Dignity. And what's funny is after I came up with the dignity part, that is something I've heard about heard talked about from homeless people they want their dignity back and to be treated with dignity yeah yeah i figured out it would probably cost me about three million dollars to start um the way i want to because i would have to buy a very large piece of property maybe even a built town um Mm -hmm. i want um modular homes for homeless families I want dormitories yeah. for homeless singles. I want like a school setting, um, basically a university setting as well as an elementary setting in high school. And I mm-hmm. would take, you know, homeless families, homeless individuals, get them educated, help them create businesses. Um, you know, if somebody doesn't want to be a boss, maybe somebody who started one of the businesses can employ them. And, you know, if somebody just wants to come and stay for a few days and sweep up to keep, you know, uh, to keep a roof over their head or wash dishes or whatever, um, you know, for a few days, they're welcome to do that, too. You know, I'm not going to make anybody stay. Right. And part of that would also be going around encouraging um, sex workers to become part of the program, you know, get off the streets, get cleaned up if they need to get cleaned up, um, create a better life for them. And, you know, if they have children or whatnot, you know, if you're a sex worker, cause you want to be a sex worker, that's cool. But if you're a sex worker, because there's no other choice, I want to give you a choice. Right. right. It's great. Cause choices are good. I love your I'm, idea. I'm pro-choice. <laughs> Yeah. Give everyone a choice. Very good. Absolutely. So, you know, these are things that I've thought about for a long time, but, you know, just don't have the money or resources. Um, Somebody who wants to make a difference in the world, but, you know, it just hasn't happened yet. And hopefully the Well, you're making a difference through your film, so uh, don't even think that you're not. You are right, you know, and, and... even if it's just entertaining someone, if it's uplifting someone's day, if it's, you know, maybe giving somebody a laugh and helping them out of a depression or, you know, just giving them something to think about or getting a conversation started about domestic violence, you know, yeah, I, I do believe that I am, you know, making a difference. And with, well, you know, the blood on the, the blanket. problem with, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say the biggest problem in domestic abuse is not the physical abuse. It's the psychological abuse. And oh, a lot absolutely. of people are like, well, he, has, he hasn't hit me yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'm not really being abused. 
Um, right. No, they start out psychologically, mentally, emotionally, verbally, so that there is nothing. But it does escalate to physical abuse, and a lot of people don't know that. Absolutely. And um, my ex-husband was great at... I, maybe you can even call it gaslighting, but he was really great at the psychological and, um, you know, all of that. Um, luckily, I got out before he, like, started really hitting me. He would do things like if we were laying in bed, he would, like, smash me up against the wall with his, like, big old behind, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and I didn't think of that as physical abuse until later. It is. Um, yeah. It is. It absolutely is. Um, he would do. He would do things like, uh, not to be, not to be gross, but he would like, you know, take, and put his finger in his underwear and then wipe it in my hair, and then tell me I stink oh, and no. I gotta go take a shower. You know, and it's like, well, I didn't think until he did that. Quickly. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. I said I'm glad you got out of that one quickly. I had to, that or off myself. I couldn't you know, like I yeah. really I knew I couldn't stay. I mean, we're talking about somebody who like basically destroyed the person that I was, but I liked who I was. Um yeah. he didn't like my sense of humor, so I couldn't like tell jokes around him. Um he, it's, he's so hard to explain. <laughs> well, did that, did that all start after he got... He's an experience. What? Yes. <laughs> did it all start after he got married? No. It, he hid a lot from me, and other people, like, were trying to warn me. But I thought, you know, they say, oh, don't get married, don't get married. But I thought that they were just against marriage, not necessarily against him. <laughs> no, we got married in Vegas. It was a shotgun wedding. And apparently right before we we got married at the chapel, he was there was a couple with a baby and I was getting dressed, so I wasn't there. But he blew a mm-hmm. cigarette smoke in the baby's face. Now, I think if I had known that, I may have just left him in Vegas like, and just walked away. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. I'm like, why did you tell me he did this after I said I do? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he he supposedly could keep a job, which, oh, well, here's, here's, here's what happens. He tells me as soon as we start dating, oh, I want a whole bunch of money in a settlement and a lawsuit. But, you know, it made me go turn to drugs, and I, I don't want the money. I'm giving it to my parents. I'm like, oh, wow, that's bold. You know, that's pretty awesome. Come to yeah. find out that he already blew he, – yes, he did win money in a lawsuit. He actually was gang raped by the staff at one of those youth centers for troubled teens. Oh, man. And he did win money. And – he blew through it all. It all went up his nose or to friends, you know, um, and and such. So, you know, that's why he didn't have the money. It wasn't because he decided to give it to his parents. <laughs> but um, the only reason I even talked to him, he actually hit me up on MySpace. This is how long ago it was. He hit me up on MySpace <laughs> saying just something really crass. I don't even remember what it was. And normally I ignore it, but his profile picture looked like he had the crap beaten out of him. So I was, like, really curious. So I'm like, dude, what's up with this picture? Did somebody beat the crap out of you? He's like, oh, that was like I, that was like I was in an MMA sparring match. Like, I'm an MMA fighter, and I'm into MMA. I'm into contact sports. And so I was like, oh, really? Well, come to find out later that two friends of his jumped him at the park. And (laughs) he he had nothing to do with MMA. I'm like, so our whole relationship is based on a lie, right? Based on a lie. And he's like, yep, pretty much. I'm like, ah, good to know. 
Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, he had a job when we first met, and then, you know, somehow he got fired or whatever. I, he sent me in to get his paycheck. And I should have known then the way they reacted when I said I was there for his paycheck that he was no good. And this is, uh, you would, I think I was meant to go through this to teach me a lesson. Like God was like, okay, you got to get hooked up with this guy for a while. So you know what to avoid in the future. (laughs) We had just started dating when he decided that he wanted me to go retrieve money that somebody owed him. 20 bucks, $20. He sent me up to a hotel room where the guy was dealing drugs out of to go get his $20. And this is somebody who was already irritating over this $20. So I go up there, not even realizing what the hell they're doing in the the hotel room. And, you know, poor naive me. And, you know, the guy opens the door. He's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like, I've been set up here for twenty dollars. It's like, oh my gosh, tell him I will give it to him when when I get home. They lived in a um, oh a, a clean and sober house, which was neither clean nor sober. <laughs> it was actually a really scary environment. I got him out of there. I used my tax return to get him out of there and put him in a weekly hotel. Because people wow. were packing guns, there was drugs, there was alcohol. It was bad. Anyway, ironically, I became really good friends with the drug dealer who <laughs> owed him $20. His grandpa was actually really good friends with my dad. And anyway, so I actually became friends with him and his girlfriend. And he actually got clean and I think he's still clean and he's uh, last time I talked to him he's doing really good but at the time of course he was <laughs> dealing drugs and really rather scary actually a lot of people are are scared of him I'm not easily intimidated luckily but um yeah so that was just a bad situation I'm like you're sending me up there to get money that he owes you I'm like okay I, you know, I'm thinking about it later. I'm like, yeah, I could have been shot in the head or something. <laughs> anyway, you know, and I think that I ended up married to him because I was sick of dating. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, I'm done. Let's just go get married. And, you know, he used manipulative tactics to get me to agree to get married. Oh, you know, I have a fear of abandonment, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, in the meantime, he destroyed who I was. Um, Basically, I was allowed to go to work um, and come home, and that was it. Like, uh, I couldn't even go to the bathroom without him wanting to know what I was doing. Um, He moved uh, his friends in to live with us which led to us getting kicked out of where we lived twice uh, because him and his friends were just tearing up the place and doing oh, all no. kinds of crazy stuff. He doesn't think about consequences. He was a crack baby, and it's possible that, you know, maybe this is something with crack babies. I don't know. Um, I, I you know, maybe their brain functions differently. Um, but, you know, he had a rough start in the beginning, and maybe that's why he doesn't think about consequences. He uses people. He's actually a registered sex offender now. Oh, yeah, no. he did worse things after I left him. But, um, yeah, it got to a point where I was like, okay, I got to either leave or I'm going to have to off myself or something. Because I cannot do this anymore. So I went, right. so I went to sleep one night. I got my keys um, for my car that I was paying for that he, you know, wanted to keep the keys for. Um, so I got my keys. I got my cell phone, which he, you know, was always using and running up the bill. 
Um, yeah, I, there was no unlimited anything back then. Um, you know, so you would call people all freaking day long. But anyway, so, um, you know, and I just left for work really early, took the car. And he must have known something was up because he started calling my work and just, like, demanding to talk to me, which I really wouldn't talk to him for a while. And he'd be like, oh, bawling when I did talk to him. And I'm like, look, your tears are not going to persuade me. They're not going to – you're not manipulating me anymore. I'm done. But in the meantime, I mean, he, you know, he he basically took all my money. Um, I was poor. I, you know, I was in debt. He made me get a whole bunch of, you know, those payday loans with the really high interest. Right. You're only supposed to take one out at a time. We had like five. Wow. We had like five, and he was trying to get me to get more, but like no other places would actually give us money. Um, I already had bad credit from you know living in Vegas on my own and making poor choices. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think part of how we ended up together was he got a job where I worked. He lied his way into the job. I became his manager pretty much, and uh, I was afraid that if I broke up with him, it would just be awkward, and, you know, thinking back later, I was like, wait a minute, I was always arranging for his rides to work. I could have just stopped doing that. <laughs> right. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty until you're out of the situation and can think clearly you know, you're you're so stressed, you don't know what to do. Right, right. And it's a whole lot more than distress. But you're right. Uh, you have suicidal ideation, and uh, you know, and it's always either I kill myself or I kill him to get out of this. But you know, also I've heard numerous times it happened to me as well that they change completely who you are and who you are isn't who you are in the end of that relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's taken me a long time to find myself again. And right. it's amazing because, you know, our relationship and our marriage all together was only two months. Oh, wow. We we dated for a month. Well, we dated for two weeks, got engaged, were engaged for two months, and married for a month. And you know what? That's actually normal for them to push for a quick um, wedding. Is is it? I I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, common. And the reason why is you would figure it out, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would hope so. I mean, I'm dense, but not that dense. <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a ride or die type chick, and it takes me way too long to give up on a relationship. Sometimes that's good. That's good to a point until it until it should have been over a long time ago. Yeah, but I I think you know, and there's something that, and I think it was a Matthew McConaughey thing online or maybe it was Will Smith, I can't remember which. Oh, no, it was Matthew McConaughey. He did a he, there's a thing on YouTube with him about how he gained success or more success and it's through embracing joy. You embrace joy and you eliminate things that don't bring you joy. Yeah. And I've been really trying to lived my life this past at least six months, maybe a year that way. And I've seen a lot of improvements in my life. You know, I surround myself with good people. Um, Anybody who's really negative drama or as they say, extra, (laughs) if they're extra in a good way, like just, you know, my personality can be considered extra, I guess. But if they just want want drama or negativity or hate, then I don't deal with them. 
and I feel that I'm a, a happier person. I'm actually pretty happy with where my life is right now. And, and, you and know, that's I, a good uh, way to look at it is finding yeah. joy and then joy surrounds you, right? And the funny thing is, is joy, I've always loved that word for some reason. Ever since I was a kid, I loved the word joy. I don't know if it's just the way it sounds or the meaning behind it. Um, so when I, you know, I, I was watching that Matthew McConaughey thing. And I was actually watching it, hoping it had a good message for somebody that I was trying to bring out of a funk. You know, I was looking for something to send them. And um, so, which I did, and I actually helped it greatly. But in watching it myself, I'm like, wow, you know, this is this is really the truth. You know, you can't have negative yeah. things. You can't have things that bring you down. And and life is going to bring right. you down sometimes. But why invite it? Why invite things that are negative? And, right. you know, so it's not easy for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. But it may be a matter of starting in small ways, whether it means getting rid of a guy who just brings you down, getting rid of a guy who belittles you. Um, or even a woman yeah. who belittles you, or getting rid of yeah. clutter in your house that doesn't bring you joy. There's actually a show right. on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but it's a big thing. It's this uh, Oriental gal. I don't even think she speaks English, so I think the whole thing is subtitled. But she helps with clutter. And the funny thing is, is that her um, strategy is to eliminate anything that does not bring you joy. And I was, oh. like, so taken aback when I heard this because I'm like, wow, you know, I'm seeing a pattern here. And she says you go not by room by room but category by category, which is actually a way that I've always thought you people should clean, and you tackle different categories, whether it be clothing or just garbage or whatever and not necessarily the garbage but say clothing or trinkets or whatever you pick it up and you say does this bring me joy if the answer is <laughs> no throw it away <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i think that uh matthew mcconaughey and her i think they're on to something and i feel like i'm on to something right. so I think you're right. Well, yeah. I really love all the ideas that you have. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. No, I was just going to, I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> it was in and out real oh, quick. Gonna, anyway, go on. I was just going to say, I love all your film ideas. I, uh, I You know, they, they're going places, and we really need to to raise awareness of domestic violence, domestic abuse, and sexual abuse, of course. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, um, women, I would say especially women, they get into relationships where, you know, a man will victimize them sexually. They'll dominate them in a way that's unenjoyable. You know, some women are into being dominated, but in a respectful way. Um, you know, but there are men who don't care about the women's needs and just want their needs fulfilled. And mm -hmm. there are women out there who have very low self-esteem or for whatever reason, right. they allow this to happen. And then it brings them down. Yeah. It gives them more self-esteem. Hopefully women can break that cycle. They can say to themselves, this relationship does not bring me joy. And they can somehow yeah. eliminate it. And, you know, depending yeah. on their level of commitment or entanglement with this person, it may take time, it may take resources, but I would encourage any woman who, are, who is in a relationship that does not bring them joy and or is harmful to them, is abusive, is um, negative, um, neglectful, yeah, anything that does not bring them joy, I hope they can get out of it and and move on to somebody right. who can bring them joy, that they can bring joy right. for each other. 
Yeah, and it's really hard to leave right at first uh, or leave at times. And depending if they have children, um, also mm-hmm. the, the threats of the financial um, stability Absolutely. and so forth. So it's difficult to, to just leave. It's uh, And I tell everyone, I said, do not just leave. Plan, prepare for safety. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. one girl said, Absolutely. what do you mean by prepare for safety? And I said, I don't tell anyone to leave. I tell them to prepare for safety, whatever that means to you. Maybe take clothes to a friend's house just in case you have to leave, just for, to keep you safe. You know, that's not just a physical safety. That's an emotional, a psychological safety as well. You know, and I said, put money aside. Um, my ex-husband, his um, ex-wife, when she was married to him, actually put money aside for about nine years and hid it out. Good for her. Wow. You know, um, she was able to pay off a lot of things when she finally was able to to get away from him. And um, it was difficult for her to get away from him. Uh, because he's it's probably so... also difficult to hide money from him. She probably had to wait nine years to get enough because he probably kept tabs of, like, every dollar. Uh, yeah, he started to trust her, though. They were married about 20 years. He started to trust her. So she would just hide a little bit here and there all the time, and, you know, she had a job. and So it was, um, yeah, it, it took her probably about nine years. But she was able to pay off their house and... Mm-hmm. And when, you know, they said either you can have the house or pay for, give him half. And so she gave him half and paid it off. And, and so it was all hers and he wasn't happy about that. And he, he was so controlling. In fact, after we were married, he was still very controlling. I don't know if she even realized it, but um, he was so controlling, you know, not only towards me, but also towards her, of course. Power and control was his whole thing. Wow, well, yeah, you know, a lot of men will have a history of that. Um, you know, if they do it to one person, they're going to do it to another. Um, right. My aunt, who in her 80s now, um, she left her husband, let's see, I was probably a teenager, so let's say 25 years ago. Um, and They'd been married for 50 years, maybe. He was horribly abusive to her physically, um, emotionally, mentally. I don't know about sexually, but that's possible. Um, He tried to sexually abuse other people as well, so it's very possible he did it to her. Um, And here's the thing. He um, He was illiterate. You know, I think he grew up on a farm or something, whereas, you know, just work with your hands. Don't worry about reading. And I think um, he felt stupid and, you know, small. And that might be why he was so, you know, basically such an a-hole towards her and other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 years or so after they got a divorce, he actually started to change and was very apologetic and, you know, actually was very helpful towards her and things like that. So wow. by the time he died um, a few years back, they were actually on better terms, you know, and wow. I think that that is rather atypical, you know, um, but it gives me hope that, you know, that eventually men can change, but until they do, you know, Hopefully, whoever's with them can get out. It's about four percent. And and unfortunately, women, um, you know, for the reasons that you mentioned, children, finances, things like that, they'll leave and then come back. And it's my understanding yeah. if you leave and you come back, you have a greater chance of being killed by your yeah. abusive spouse than if it's you had just abusive. stayed. Yeah. Sorry. Um. They, they're physically. Yeah. They're physically. If there's physical abuse, yes. If there's guns involved, absolutely. Um. But women do go back up to seven and nine times. And um, mm-hmm. it's because for whatever reason. But you know these guys. They they go. Oh, honey, I love you so much. I'll change. I'll do mm-hmm. better. I I won't mistreat you anymore. And then you know she, 
chunk back, and then he locks the doors and starts over. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's also him. women's nature to change men um, and think that they can change men. And, and in some cases, you can. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's their nature per se. Um, but you know, when you do get married, you're told, "Oh, keep in mind, this is a diamond in the rough." And I'm like, oh, yeah, I ain't marrying a diamond in a rough anymore. It <laughs> right. be a damn diamond. Right, right. <laughs> it drives me nuts when I hear a woman say, oh, I love him. I think I can change him. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, if I you want to change much, him, why do you love him? I'm horrible. not sure how those two go together. What? Yeah, and you, you shouldn't even marry someone you want to change. I, it, when I married someone, it was because I liked who he was. What I didn't know was he wasn't who he pretended to be. Exactly. 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 And um, yeah, and you can encourage change, you can support change, but I don't believe you can actually change a person um, unless right. you're gaslighting them, like my ex-husband did, you know, or yeah, uh, you know, some form of emotional abuse. Um, yeah. suppression, you know, making them suppress who they really are and changing them like yeah. he did to me. Um, yeah, he changed me. Yeah. Um, I found out later, um, <laughs> I was actually told this by the, uh, by the, the friend who was a drug dealer, um, that my ex-husband's goal was to get me hooked on cocaine. The funny thing is that he never asked oh me to gosh. do cocaine. And I'm like, so not only did he want us to be homeless because he kept getting us kicked out of the one place, he wanted me to be homeless and addicted to coke. Great. Which I'll never do cocaine because of what it, well, I don't, I'm not really into hard drugs anyway, but that crap eats your nose. Like I don't, I already have sinus issues. I don't want the inside of my nose eaten. So, I mean, that just goes to show you how well he knew me. (laughs) Right. Well, girlfriend, um, our time is starting to dwindle, so I, I want to thank you so much for being on tonight, and you have enlightened us in so many different ways. And I'm so glad that you're bringing this to fruition and getting it out there and creating um, another venue for awareness. Well, thank you so much for, you know, this platform and what you do. And, you know, thank you for, you know, the opportunity to, you know, share um, this. And, again, if people want to see the music video, they can go to LazySusanMusic.com. And Susan has a Z in the middle. Um, so that's Lazy Susan, S-A, or sorry, S-U-Z-A-N, uh, Music.com. And, um, yeah, you can go to the Enclave page, and it will be there. Um, I hope everybody not only enjoys it, but feels enlightened or feels moved and inspired to talk about the subject. You know, it's something that, like I said before, I hadn't really thought too much about previously. um, But I'm really thinking about it now, and I'm really happy to be involved in, you know, shedding light on the, on the subject and, and hopefully being, you know, um, part of the change. Right. Well, and you thank you so much for having me on. For sure. And, you know, I'm going to tell you that video is probably, it was the best one that I saw. I loved it so much. It brought so many different emotions out. It was absolutely a great video. But I yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry. Oh, go go ahead, sweetie. No, I, no. What were you? What'd you just say? I was just gonna say I really want to sit down with you sometime on the um, documentary that I'd like to do as well. Yes, absolutely. I'm really excited about that, and I've talked to Kevin about you know using the song in the documentary and his involvement as well. And since he is yeah. the one who wrote the song, um, and he's pretty yeah. excited about it too. You know, this is. Yeah, Something maybe that, I can have him on he, sometime as well. Oh, yeah, I really recommend it. You know, he's um, a great person to talk to. Yeah, he seems very, very approachable. Anyway, I don't yeah. want to run out of time. Yeah. <laughs> but I okay. um, love you very much, and I will call you uh, later so we can get together. 
I love you too. And thank you so much for having me on. And we'll talk later. Have, okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Again, I just want to thank um, Rebecca for being on tonight. She is an amazing filmmaker. And as you can tell, she has not only uh, a ton of experience uh, with domestic violence, but she also has a, a, a huge passion to share um, what this is all about to help other women so that they don't go through the same thing that she went through or that we all have gone through. And her medium for uh, raising awareness is filmmaking, which is absolutely amazing. Now, I keep saying the word gorillas, but it's actually the Gorilla Film Festival. It's in St. George, Utah. And the owner is um, Adam Mast. And um, I'm good friends with Adam. And I said, I need to speak to the director of that movie. (laughs) And he goes, hold on, I'll get her. And uh, that was Rebecca. And so ever since then, we've been talking and and really uh, creating a, a strong friendship and a bond um, wrapped around domestic violence and our desire to get that word out and, and raise awareness. Anyway, so I'd like you all to stay safe. Um, think about how you can raise awareness and, and what I can do to help you. Have a good night. Bye-bye.